Hey everybody, hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying sane, staying in shape. This is the San Diego Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy podcast by and for members of the gym, where we will be highlighting some of our members at the gym and their stories to give you a little insight into the people at the gym and how Jiu-Jitsu has impacted their lives. Uh, my guest today is Sammy Reese. Sammy is one of the OGs from the gym. He started with Sensei back in, I believe he said 2007, when Sensei was just opening up his first school. And he was looking for, you know, an effective martial art to study after a career in law enforcement. Uh, and he didn't realize that it would soon become something that he couldn't live without. He talks about how much the gym has changed in the last 15 years, what training was like before BJJ became so popular. And Sammy is one of those people you can lean on and will check in with you just to make sure you're still doing well. He's a great friend. So without further ado, Sammy Reese. People don't understand really how important that that is, you know, overall. I mean, I think I've told you I'm, I'm a way better being when I train. Yeah, I agree with you. There's not I a doubt in my you. mind after all these years, ups and downs, injuries, time away, whatever it is, my wife will be like, you haven't trained for a few days, have you? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. like, go. Yeah, it's a steam valve, man. It's, it's a great way to kind of decompress in a healthy way. So I'm really for looking forward really to helping people out. You know, that, that kid that I worked with the other day, who was pretty new, um, breaking things down into, you know, Barney size bites for him to understand it and then let's go and then break it down and then go and watching the light bulb come on for him. But I didn't realize how tired I was when we got done just because it was more than just physically fighting. It was mentally having to break it down into chewable pieces for this guy. And then when he would do it wrong, go, okay, let's try this. Cause that doesn't work for you. And that, and then getting a sweat going and, you know, and realizing, man, even though I'm working out, I'm not using these, these muscles the same way. And, then you come home and I actually, I mean, took a power nap, like, you know, from just, just a few hours of, uh, of training again. So. Yeah. There's really nothing like it, man. I mean, you can, you can go for a run or you can lift weights, you can do burpees in the garage, but there's really nothing like just grabbing a hold of somebody and fighting for your life, trying not to die. When did you yes. start at the gym? I, when, so going back, I don't know the exact date, but I was kind of, uh, I had just retired from law enforcement and I was teaching for Blackwater and they catered our lunches. Um, so there was lots of pastas and all this other stuff. And the first time in my life, I was like, I don't feel good, you know, and I'm, I, I'm, I run pretty lean, like 160 is about a daily daily for me. Sometimes a little lower if I'm pushing it too hard, I'll creep up a little more if I, if I get back on the weights, but usually never higher than 170. And, um, I got on a scale and I was 185 pounds Man. and I was like, I just, I didn't look fat, but I didn't feel good, man. You know, I mean, sure. I was, I was working out with the students. I was teaching force protection. So we're doing a lot of detack and a lot of fighting, a lot of shooting, you know, a lot of, you know, watch standing principles and, you know, it was a lot of shit we had to teach these guys. And I was going to Navy courses and I started realizing I was slowing down you know, learning all these, these skills. And, um, I see this thing. Um, I go online and I'm looking for martial arts schools. Cause I like, I like stand up. That was my background. There was no Brazilian Jiu Jitsu here. There was like Nelson a little bit, maybe Fabio down in San Diego, Carlos Valente, but they were so far away. 
way and there it was way out of reach right for for money so what year was this it was the uh, i'm trying to remember 2000 and i'm trying to remember what what year apollo opened the school 2004 i think yeah yeah Uh, because you're in some of the oldest pictures that he's got on the walls there like i look at the oldest picture you see 19 year old adam with the shaved head and there you are too Adam, I think you know, it was funny. He was he was always in trouble. He was always doing something. He was just a young punk. <laughs> uh, now but look at never, him. Once he started, he was never not there. He was always training. He was a beast. You know, he was super yeah. strong, super athletic, and he was just, you know. And for me, you know, it, I was a little older. And then when I when I met Paulo, so here's how it goes: I Google Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in San Diego. Up comes sdbjj.com. Click on it. Nothing. It's just a URL and underneath it is a phone number. <laughs> I pick it up and I call the phone number. Dice Paulo. Excuse me? You know? <laughs> and uh, I go, is this SDBJJ? Yeah. Who, who is this? How'd you get this number? Right? And I'm like, I just Googled Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in San Diego and this came up. And I said, do you have a school? And he's like, I'm building it. Okay, where are you building it? In San Marcos. Oh, cool. I, I live in San Marcos, you know, right on the border of Escondido. Um, where is it? He tells me. You should come by, right? So Corey and I go out to dinner a couple nights later, and uh, I go, let's go drive through there. And I'm like this on the glass looking in, man. It looked like Armageddon. Everything's hanging down from the ceiling. There's shit everywhere. And this guy walks by. So I go around the back and there's a roll-up door and it was Sensei Dan. And Dan was, I think, a purple belt at the time, you know. Big forearms on him like Popeye. He's got a, you know, construction belt on. And, hey, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for this guy, Paulo. And out comes Paulo. And uh, he goes, hey, this is the guy who called me, right? You know, you think his English is bad now. Go back, you know, almost 15 years, right? It was terrible. Yeah. And and I'm like, you sure you're going to be opening up this school, man? This is, you know, because he said like two, three weeks, whatever it was, you know, Brazilian math. He was going to have it done in an hour, right? So meet him. We talk about it. Well, I was teaching at the police academy at that time. And there was this student in there that ended up being Andre Hughes. And I don't know if you ever met Andre or saw pictures of him, but doesn't look Brazilian. He looks like Mr. Clean, big German guy, blue eyes. But full i mean born and raised in in brazil so they were talking about the fight for life that the students do down there and how this guy just was submitting everybody he was a beast and at that time you know we'd all all watched usc and saw what hoist had started and what it morphed into but there was nowhere to train unless you were in one of those epicenters and um so on a break i i said hey um they tell me you're you're from brazil and i mean you've seen have you seen andre big old dude right and he's like and and he was always polite yes sir uh born and raised in brazil and i said um i said what do you know about brazilian jiu-jitsu and he's like i'm purple belt um i and he trained in thailand fought muay thai all this stuff and i said you know i just met this guy the other day named paulo opening up a school and he starts to laugh i go what's so funny he goes that's my friend he was my roommate for a long time so when Paula was getting ready to open, Andre's like, meet me down there. And I'm like, okay. So I was like the first guy to show up at the door. Paula was out there washing windows and stuff. And um, I'm like, hey, man, I'm busted up. I got a really bad back from a car crash. 
I just want to try this. I want to see what this is all about. Can I just try a month and just see how my body holds up? 15 years later, man. <laughs> now you can't live without it, right? No, now you can't. Now, now, now it's the drug that I take, but that was kind of that, you know, it was a little bit harder, you know, being, you know, I had to really watch my back and watch my neck. And in that environment, I dropped, I went from 185 pounds down to about 155 pounds in like a blink of an eye. I mean, I was there every day that I could be there. I was, I was leaving, uh, teaching down on base, shooting up to the dojo for a class. Sometimes there'd be two of us. Sometimes there'd be 20. Um, um, you know, we kind of joked about it. It was really fight club blind leading the blind. You know, if Paula was there, obviously he would teach us some stuff and then turn us loose. So it'd be like two brand new guys over in the corner trying to drill triangles, not having a clue how to do them, right? Which is so far from the opposite of what we do now. Now it's like we see two white belts getting together and somebody has to go and separate them, even though they probably wouldn't hurt each other like you guys were back in the day. We're just that cautious about it now. It's so far. Yeah, we, you know, we may let them go roll a little bit, but then you're like, okay, you're just like two cats fighting over a ball of string now. We need to separate you because you're, it's that old, you know, it's like, you know, back to wrestling at its basic, right? Just two guys trying to dominate each other, not knowing what the hell they're doing. You know, wrestling, there was a pin. In jiu-jitsu, there was some kind of submission. But a lot of guys were like backyard fighting, you know, a lot of headlocks. And, you know, it wasn't – we didn't really know what the hell, you know, we were doing. And then plus, Paulo brought in that that judo side of things, which was something that some of us had seen. You know, I saw it in the Marine Corps a little bit. I saw a little bit of it growing up, but – it was, it changed everything for us, you know, and how we were doing it. And we kind of, you know, it was trial by fire. We just kind of figured it out. And some of his OGs from his first school started to trickle over, you know, white belts with three stripes, you know, and blue belts and a couple purple belts. And, um, you know, and they beat the shit out of us. <laughs> I mean, that's really <laughs> what it was. You know, I, I remember coming home with fat lips and bloody noses and, and uh, my wife was like, I thought you weren't fighting anymore. You know, I'm like, it's supposed to be this wrestling thing, right? You know, because I was trying to explain it to her that I wasn't going to get hurt. And here I was coming home, you know, a fat lip, you know, because we smashed heads or got a concussion from getting slammed. I mean, it was just all kinds of that, you know. It was pretty raw, which is what, when we think back on it now, um, you know, Big Mark will be like, ah, oh, just let him go at it. And I'm like, there's a diminishing returns on that sometimes, you know, where sure. like, you just want to snatch them up. You let them go hard for a little bit. And sometimes I'll grab you or grab one of their dudes and say, breathe, man, slow down. This isn't life or death here. This is just a role, but we're all competitive alpha dogs, man. And nobody wanted to tap in the beginning. I remember getting just tore up. Cause I'm like to tap meant you were a puss. Uh -huh. you know? Cause that was what was, what was said was respect to tap. But the right. ethos was, don't tap, man. Man, 15 years later, it's gone from fight club to family club. I'm not sad that I missed out on that era, to be honest. I feel like I got enough of that aspect with wrestling, man. Like, just people butting heads and trying to be the toughest guy in the room. And now it's just like, everybody's got something to teach you and nobody's here to hurt anybody, you know? I was talking to Nikki about this. Like, guys with egos don't last because you have to be willing to be coachable. And, yeah. and that's why I think everybody there who's, who makes it basically past like the six-week, six-month mark is a, is a pretty good person to be around. Yeah. And there's, there's that curve, you know, you, you know, you had the wrestling base and there's a lot of guys that came in that were wrestlers that once you, they were, they were beatable in the beginning, I would say almost all of them because the back was foreign to them. 
once they got comfortable on their backs, just that, that grind. Right. But the guys that came in that were treating it like wrestling, slamming people and, and just doing a lot of gnarly stuff. They usually got Andre, you know, somebody that was, they, got Andre. <laughs> you know, they, would, get, they would get schooled up a little bit you know, or, yeah. or Chris Lap or somebody would just kind of be like, okay, they'd ride them out or Adam would get them or, you know, just kind of teach them a little bit of the etiquette. And you're right. Yeah. They, they don't last long in the sense that um, nobody wants to train with them. Right. And it yeah, took Adam me a really about- long time to, to be able to tell a guy, you know, and I learned that from Paulo, you know, hearing him in the corner, Sammy, Sammy, take it easy. You're going to hurt yourself. Go easy, Sammy. And then, I leave the dojo like this because I was trying mm-hmm. to go hard with some 25 year old jarhead, you yeah. know? And, um, but those guys, you're right. You, you'll see the ebb and flow of they disappear real fast because Adam talks about, you have to give everybody what they need, right? Some nails need to be hammered down. If you're coming in here and you're trying to hurt people and you think that you're going to be the toughest guy in the gym. Well, you know, we've got an answer for that. And then there are some people who really just need the win. You know, they, they lack that self-confidence and it's like, look, you're getting better at this. This is something that you can look for. And then you just got to kind of give them the win, you know, but, um, but yeah, it all balances out or else you don't last. And that, that's a real good point is the, um, like Krista, you know, folks like her guy or girl that just have a confidence problem. They have an anxiety thing where they just being having someone on them and you know, that they don't live in that, that deal. And jujitsu at its basic form is being comfortable where it's uncomfortable. Yes. You know, you'll hear it, you know, back in the beginning, guys would come in there and they're like, I want to be like the Iceman. I want to be able to use my jujitsu so I could stand on my feet and bang. Then they would go get in the cage with some of the guys or the ring with some of the guys we had at the time and they'd spar one round and they'd be back to jujitsu class saying, nah, I just want to do jujitsu, man. Yeah. These <laughs> thing got old real fast, you know, or getting slammed or ankle lock. You know, it was, it was a lot, you know, the guys that do that are a whole nother breed, right? You know, that, that mm-hmm. thrive in that environment. But pulling the best out of people that are, um, you know, that are, they, they just don't get it. And I think now you and I have talked a little bit, I've kind of turned the corner and now I'm more mentor coach, um, trying to get that out of people and letting them know, you know, I tell them you can submit me a hundred times in class. I mean, if it makes you better at it, that's different than out here on the street or out in real life. We fight differently when our life depends on it. But in here, I don't look at it as a fight, you know, yeah. and if someone knew, no, 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 come on, you know, make me tap. You know, just don't stop halfway because you'll stop halfway when you need to do it, which translates into our next group of guys, which are our our guys want to compete. And that's a whole nother breed, too, because that has a life expectancy that, you know, you know it now as going to tournaments and fighting as a blue belt in your weight division and seeing a guy that's been a blue belt for a five, six, eight years, you know, and you're like, what are you doing, man? The guy's black belt level in most dojos, but he's still sandbagging at, you know, three stripe blue belt, or he's on his second or third belt because he's wearing them out. It's like, yeah, don't get me started on those guys. Uh, but you said something that I, that I want to touch on a little bit. That's like, I feel like that may be the biggest lesson. If not one of the biggest lessons, the biggest lesson that you learn in jujitsu is how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, you can only run from adversity so much. Nobody's going to come in there off the street with no skill. Like even myself, you know, I I came from a a grappling background. I've literally wrestled for half my life and I was getting tapped because it's, it's, it's new, you know, I was getting worked left and right. Nobody, no matter what skill level you're coming into it with 
is ever going to be the best guy in the room, you know, fresh off the bat, especially. So I think it's super important to be able to be put in a position where you say, okay, I got to take a deep breath here and analyze what's going on. I've got to recognize that I'm not going to die. And then that, that anxiety, you can translate that over to other aspects of life. You know how you always talk about how, like when you're leaving the gym, you're driving and somebody cuts you off and it really doesn't bother you nearly as much. Well, man, the big stuff really doesn't bother you nearly as much either because you know, you're used to dealing with that pressure. You're used to being in the fire and that's like a really important muscle to learn how to flex. I think. That's, that's when you got it. You know, that's when it becomes cerebral past it being just, you just said you can do burpees in a garage, but there's just something about you and another dude trying to get a better position on each other. Or some days you'll say, you know what, start inside control on me and I got to get out. You know, it's going to be a nightmare and you know, it's going to hurt, but you just spend five minutes thrashing around and you were uncomfortable, but you managed a way to, you know, to power through it. And then on the ride home, just like you said, it's like, you're good. You got your ass kicked, really, but it's a good kind of ass kicking. It's the stuff that makes you, it makes you grow. The yeah, negative thing is when you can't let that go. You know, I remember coming home sometimes, man, just thoroughly dejected, like, dang, how did that guy get me? You know, mm-hmm. on the whole ride home, I'm pissed off. And then, then one day you're just like, that's the purpose of this you know? Right. Yeah. You know, I always find that like the days that I'm feeling like the top dog, that I'm feeling hot. Those are always the days that the nail gets hammered down, you know, then you leave the gym feeling terrible and you come back and you do something right. And then it's just, this thing is never over, man. It's, it's, it's just like any form of self-improvement. It is never over. So I've told my, my brother, I tried to get him to start jujitsu 15 years ago. I took him down to the school when he came to town. I had the kids training. Um, and like a year and a, a year ago, he started training with Jacare in Atlanta, and it's his oh, nice. drug now. He loves it. Got his blue belt a little while ago, and you know, and he's like, "I should have listened to you." <laughs> like, hey, you know, advice is free. You can do with it what you want. You know, for for what it is. But I, I told him, jujitsu is the marathon that's never over. It's the race that you can be. You can see the finish line, and you can have that. Just like you said no one submitted me in weeks I'm tapping out the top dogs and then in comes some skinny guy like shallow uh, master Octavio's nephew a hundred years ago when he came in mm. tiny little dude tore everybody up it was yeah. like watching hoist do what he did in the early UFCs that's what gave me hope as a jiu-jitsu player was if he can do that to a Mark Brown size guy without using any strength, but he was a great athlete too. He was a paintball player, like a professional. Sure. So he was in rip and shape, but he would tell me, Sammy, man, I, you just got to be smarter than these big cats, you know? And that comes from all that time in the forge, you know? And then all of a sudden people are like, well, don't watch your arms with that guy. You know, if he, just cause you're on top doesn't mean you're winning, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and it's, um, it, it's some, at some point, and it will for you where it will stop becoming winning and losing because yeah. you're coaching now and to watch your student do well. That's when you're like, uh, you know, I was cornering a lot of guys that were, that wanted to fight in MMA or boxing and stuff. And I love coaching and there's nothing better than seeing your guy do well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good feeling. It's a really good feeling. I'm starting to see that a little bit with Josh, who I do my, my one-on-one lessons with, man. To see yeah. him take what I give him and then becoming one of the toughest guys in the room is it's a greater satisfaction than, than me doing well, you know? But uh, like you said with your brother, man, 
the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Next best time is today, right? Exactly. You know, and there's there's a lot of those with people. Oh, I'm too old to start jujitsu. I'm like, dude, I was in my late 30s. Yeah, um, how many sports can you do? I talked to Nick. He was the first person I did a podcast with. He's like 57 years old, I think he said. Like how, and he trains with his son. How many sports can you do? You know, in in your late fifties, this thing is really unique and really special. So, who is that? Nick Rotunda. Um, he's yeah, he trains at the gym with his son Zal. And anyway, speaking of Josh, I actually I'm doing a podcast with him. It's supposed to start like right now, so I'm gonna let you go. But I appreciate uh, you coming on and talking to me and having this conversation and sharing yeah. about how much you love the gym. And uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Yeah, anytime, man. We kind of we drifted down a lot of different roads, but it's uh-huh. um, that's fine. Natural conversation. It's the ultimate um, hike. It's that journey, right? Take a left, take a right, uh, see what's down around the corner, you know. And just when you think you know you got this, you don't got this, man. Humble you know I mean? pie. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And guys, and what happens is, and this is the last thing I'll leave you with is, there's been a lot of guys that have come in and you know, and that I've worked with, and and you know when they get this you're in deep shit. You know what I mean? And I would always, Hey man, I'll teach you every trick I know. Cause it doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but when those guys that you used to work are big, like Mark Brown, when he came in, you know, he's like, I hated you, man. You armbarred the crap out of me every day. And you know, and then all of a one day he goes from 300 pounds down to 250 cause he's lost a lot of weight. And you're like, Oh, you know, you know, even remember Sal talking to him one day and it was like, man, I just do okay against Sal strength for strength, you know? And then one day it was like, I don't know. I get nervous rolling with him now, man. It just hurts. Uh, you yeah, know, cause he's, a beast. He's, just, he's evolved. He's just so freaking gnarly, you know? And, but then every time I leave a roll with him, I learn five or six new things. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's what I wasn't doing. You know what I mean? So through the pain comes some learning shit. So it's good. Stuff. Yes. They didn't want to talk jujitsu or to school or life or, Hunting, shooting, fishing, man. I'm your huckleberry. You're the guy to talk to. Appreciate that, Sam. All right, man. All right, Take care. Man. Good talking to you. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Talk to you soon, brother. Bye now. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell your friends about the podcast. Check out sdbjj.com, sdbjj on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and we'll hope to see you soon. Take care.